Please go back to 1 John. Now, it's not up there, and you all know what's happened, and it's been a disaster. So, um, we're in this now together. We'll be jumping around 1 John together. Yeah, so I am sorry. I was so excited. I put my energy and heart and soul into two sermons, crafted illustrations, because I know you here, which I thought would be relevant to you, and it all went kaput at 10 o'clock last night, and still kaput now. It's not just the sermons that have gone, it's my podcast interviews, which haven't been released yet. All my little labors of love have gone, but maybe not forever. I'll let you know. Um, So we're in one, John. I don't really want to preach it. Well, I sort of do. But, you know, you're like a Premier League church here, isn't it? And this is kind of a Vauxhall conference. This is milk, whereas you want food. But I'm trusting God that this is for all of us tonight. Okay, and it came to me when I was winging the children's talk this morning, because I lost that as well, what I'm going to preach tonight. And when I told the children... Stop umming and ahhing, are you Christians, and get on with living as Christians. I thought, that's what I'll preach on tonight. So, can we be sure that we're Christians? How much can we know God? Now, first verse, look at 1 John 5, verse 13. And I'm going to say it in a way that I think it was written. Okay? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. He is writing to people who are already believing the Son of God that they might know something even more. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So, as with anything then, how do we know more of God? You children and oldies and everyone in between, we all need to know God tonight. Is there some things we can do? I'm married. um, Six years now, I think. Sheesh. Anyway, there are certain things married couples can do in a relationship to know each other more. Yeah? And so, are there certain things that we can do tonight to know God more? All right. It starts here. It starts with God, not us. And if any of you struggle, where do I stand with God? And you mope around in a circle and you never actually get on enjoying him and living him and loving others in his name and serving him and serving others. You need to start with God. And when you open this Bible, you don't look for what it says about you first. You look to what it says about him. And so we start with God and The Bible tells us that God, and this is probably the most complicated bit of the sermon, is Trinitarian. Okay, children, do you get that big word? One God, but he's three persons. He's a father, and he's a son. And you will know the son by another name beginning with a J. Let's just see if you are awake at the start. His name is Jesus. And they love each other so perfectly and purely be found the foundation of the world in the bond and power of the Holy Spirit. All right? That is where we start with God. If any of you want assurance and knowledge of him. All right? And I'm going to give you three W's to remember. And I don't even know if I've made these W's up because I can't check my reference notes because they've all gone. So credit to someone who came up with these W's, but it might have been me. 
There's three words that Owen Bastone wants Town Hill Baptist Church to get tonight in their head. The first word, beginning with W, is work. And you'll be tested on this in a minute. The second W I want you to remember tonight is word. The third W I want you to remember tonight is witness. All right? Now, if you've got these things buzzing around your head and your heart every day of your life, I guarantee you, you will know God. So we're going to start with the first W, which was what? It was the work. I'm going to do this tonight because, you know, when you've got Bibles out, you can get a bit sleepy with your head drooping down, can't you? So let's do a quiz. Um, the work of God the Son. That's where we're looking at tonight. Right. Without further ado, please go to 1 John chapter 1. So flick back a few pages. The Trinity is at work in the children of God. And we're starting with, to know him, we've got to think about the work of the Son. Now, listen to this. 1 John 1 verse 8 says this. And I'm glad we said that confessional hymn. Uh, thing there from the creed earlier. Verse 8. You ready, children and oldies and everyone in between? If we say tonight in Town Hill Church, we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In Ogmore Vale, if I could walk around bashing people over the head with the Bible so they get that message. Because they're always like, what's a Christian? Someone who does good. Yeah, all right. Okay, what's a Christian? Someone who goes to church. What's a Christian? Someone who doesn't steal. All that stuff. All right, but you don't start there. But it's more sneaky for town hillians and people like us who are now in the churchy system. All right, what's a Christian? Do we really believe, though, it starts with confessing that we're sinners? Because if we did, why do people always be so big in our in our hearts and our minds and God so small for example who hasn't dropped sneaky little comments around Alan Reese about how they're doing spiritually or how much they've read that week or how much they've prayed or have they visited Terry in the hospital which is good uh, and things like that but it starts not there it starts with this we have sin tonight now, I don't care if you're a child, but you've got to grasp this, everyone. We say, Lord, present tense, we have sin tonight. That is where assurance with God starts, and all of you can do that. And then you just look at verse 9, and we do something with our sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we go to him with our sin. Now, some of you might find this funny who know me and Rita, but we give, like Mary, did you have to bring the world's loudest bag to the sermon? Get the pens out now. Do it. Right, you'll find this funny, but me and Rita in Ogmore Vale, we give marriage, cl we give marriage classes because marriage is like under attack in the valley. Right. Anyway, this is invariably what happens with married people who aren't Christians. Right, they go like this. Um, it's his fault. And then he'll go, it's her fault. 
And she'll go, no, it's his fault. And all of the problems in their marriage is the other person's fault. All right? Okay. Are they Christians? No, they're not. All right? If we say to God, I haven't sinned, it's everybody else's fault, we are not yet Christians. All right, okay, here's a question. Right, ma, here's a question. Who's seen Aladdin? When is the lady in Aladdin, what's her name? Um, Jasmine, when is she most interested in Aladdin? The answer is not when he's pretending to be something he's not. The answer is, like she doesn't like him at all then, the answer is when he is a beggar in rags, then she's interested in him. Why? Because she wants to share her riches with him. If you say tonight, Lord, I am telling you about my sin. That is where assurance starts. And you say, what can you do for me? All right, now we're going to look. We do now come to the first W, the work of the Son. Now, Jeff, can you please read chapter 2, verse 2, please, again. Tonight, a group of sinners, they come to the living God, and we hand him our sin, and there is the Son, and he's doing something for sinners. What is he doing? What does he become for them? It begins with a P, and the word was? He becomes their propitiation. Now, do you know what that means? I had a phone call with Alan Reese last week, a bit of a debate about what propitiation means. I think everybody's got it wrong. Well, not everybody, but it's often, like people say, it's the turning away of God's wrath. Okay? All right, it's not. Now, Alan Reese will tell you this. Propitiation is this, and he tells a story about when he was a rugby player. Um, he's probably said it recently. He was in a ruck against this team that all knew who he was, and they started putting the boots in and uh, attacking him. Has he told you that story recently? Yeah, yeah, nod. Right, and um, they're beating him up and beating him up. And then, though, the scrum comes together and collapses, and he's taking an absolute pounding. But he hears a voice from the member of another team, the other team, called Hugh. And he recognizes Hugh's voice because he knows him. Right, and Hugh says, get your head down for this one, Alan. And Alan puts his head down. Hugh covers Alan. And then after the ruck is finished... Everybody moves away except Hugh, who's been knocked unconscious from a blow to the head. Right. They all thought they were getting Alan, but their anger fell on another, and Alan was safe. All right. That is only the first part of propitiation. What actually propitiation is, is what happens as a result of an action like that. So you come to Jesus with your sin. He takes the wrath which you deserve tonight upon himself. All right. He's done it. We hide in him. Hallelujah. But propitiation is, and get this, 
a change in relationship with the Father as a result of that cross of Jesus. So we come to the Father tonight. We have sin. Jesus is the wrath bearer for our sin, the work of his atoning death. And tonight, however you feel, whatever you've believed, however you've behaved up until this moment, if you tell Jesus your sins, he will take them away, and your relationship status with the Father will forever be son or daughter, seated in the heavenlies. That is the work of the Son for sinners. And Jesus is the only one, uh, one John says, so if you're a Jew here tonight, which I don't think many of you are, there's only one, and his name's Jesus. If you're a Gentile, there's only one. If you're clever, there's only one. If you're fat, there's only one. If you're thin, there's only one. If you're black, uh, blue, white, yellow, whatever, there's only one atoning work for the world, and he is Jesus Christ. Do you know you're a Christian? It starts by reveling in this fact every day, the great work of the cross. Now, I can always spot a non-Christian. Are you one? They go like this to me. Pastor, I say, uh, hello, are you a Christian? They'll say this, I'm trying. Not a Christian. I say, are you a Christian? Have you prayed or talked to your living God recently? And they go, I'm waiting until I have a better day. We're having a bit of a cool off period before I come back to him and work myself up to be accepted again. That is not a Christian. When did you last talk to the living God? What's keeping you from him? Sometimes I ask Christians, are your prayers heard in heaven? And they go, if I really, really mean it. If I read my Bible every day for an hour, then I'm heard in heaven. And they haven't quite yet grasped that the status of every Christian is the work of Jesus Christ for them. And don't ever forget it, ever. If you want to know that you're his child, you start there. Listen to this. The only people in heaven, that includes Peter Jeffrey, who was there two days ago, is two, 48 hours into his stint in eternity, in glory, are those, they are only there because Jesus got them there. Jesus gets you there. Jesus, not you. And now we come to the second W, which was what? The Word. Thank you, Jeff. Now, there's another thing we can do every day. We can revel in the work of the Son. But we also, ready, trust the Word of the Father. Today, you're going to hear a thousand sermons. You've probably heard a thousand sermons today. It happened when you turned the radio on and Rihanna was singing. And she was singing, live a certain way. 
think a certain way, dress a certain way. That's a sermon. And the devil wants you to follow Rihanna's way of living. Or you turn on Twitter and there's Donald Trump. Think a certain way. Live a certain way. Or like me, you watch the sport channels and you see Floyd Mayweather gearing up for a fight and he's telling all the young people to live and think and feel in a certain way. Or you watch Jose Mourinho on the side of the pitch, his message to everybody else and all the fans is live a certain way. If you wash your hair, which some of you do, you look at the tin on L'Oreal and the message for all people listening is you're worth it. Or is that Pantene? Don't know. L'Oreal. Or you watch Disney films and they're preaching a sermon at you and the sermon is this, search for the hero inside yourself. Well, that's not trusting the work of Jesus. But there's another person who's spoken on how to live, and it's God the Father. And he has given you a book, and this is called the Word of the Father. And actually, that word became flesh, but that's a different sermon again. And we're to trust and to live by this book if we want to know God. Live by this book if you want to know God. Now, I was talking to a Scottish lady this morning. It was Jeff Wellington's mother. And what a lovely conversation we had. But I've got a story about another man from Scotland. It goes like this, and it's a true story. There was a man in Scotland, and he worked for a boss. And his boss was a Christian. And his boss asked him one day, are you a Christian? And the man said, well, I couldn't possibly come to God. I've sinned too many times. And if I ask again, I'll only mess up again, so I'm not coming to God anymore. He will turn me away. And the boss said, we'll talk more about, and this is true, we'll talk more about this on Friday night. Come to my house after work. All right, Friday night comes, Jack, his name was, he goes to the house of the boss up the posh gate, up the cobble path, knocks the door. Nobody answered. Right? He knocks the door again. Nobody answered. Knocks the door a third time. The boss comes to the door, and he's miffed. He's super angry. And he says to Jack abruptly, What on earth are you doing at my house on a Friday night, not in work hours? What are you doing here? This is my private time. Stay away. And Jack said, Seeing as you invited me, I thought I had a right to come. And at that moment, the boss smiled. And he said, Say it again, Jack. And Jack said, Seeing as you invited me, I thought I had a right to come. That's it. He said, you've got it. And now we're going to look at a demand, a command and an invitation from the Father that we are to trust with our lives. And just flick forward to 1 John chapter 5. Shake it up. Now, I'm going to read it in a different version because not many versions make sense. 
But here is the word of a trustworthy father. Verse 9. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God, and God has testified about his son. So that means if you're going to believe Rihanna or Donald Trump or Floyd Mayweather, that's one thing, but really forget them because there's another sermon coming from God. You better trust this one instead. If you believe their testimony, believe this one. Verse 10, ready? All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his Son. That means we better not make God a liar tonight, Town Hill. We better take him at his word. And what is his word to us tonight? Verse 11 and 12. This is what God has testified. This is his word. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. That's the sermon of the Father. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son that you may know. Do you want to take God the Father at his work tomorrow when work is creeping up on you? Unless you're a teacher and it's not tomorrow, you've got a few weeks left. But you're feeling stressed about some news that's come your way. You're getting anxious. Your feelings are all over the place. What's the word from the Father that we have to trust? The word of the Father says you trust the work of the Son every day of your life. The Father, and I say this reverently, is quite literally obsessed with Jesus. He loves him. That's why we start with God every day. And the work of this amazing, glorious, Trinitarian Father. And what his Son does for us. If you're staying away from Jesus, you're ignoring the word of the Father. And he's trustworthy. Let me tell you some sad news. It has been both a privilege and a complete heart-wrenching misery to hold the hand of dying people in the pastorate in Ogmore Vale. The worst things that happen on deathbeds is when you see someone who's lived their life trusting in another word which isn't the Father's. And you see the betrayal of that fake word and God when they need it the most that God isn't there for them. There's one word you trust, the word of the Father. I have held the hand of people who have lived for health and cancer has destroyed their body. And as they lay there in their beds about to step into eternity and I'm holding their hands, they need one thing that matters. The word of a God which will go with them beyond death. That doesn't betray them there. That breaks death. Shackles it. Unshackles it. Shatters it. They need a word which goes beyond the grave. And they can cling to in their weakest moments. They need to be loved, not betrayed. 
They need a trustworthy father. I was in school with a boy. He lived for the word of popularity and girls. And in year nine, he was beating up all the boys and his reputation. He was trusting that this was going to fulfill him. And then halfway through year nine, he took a drugs overdose. He was dead. But God betrayed him. That vile, devilish, demonic word that people follow, which is anything but this. The devil laughs. And that popularity died. Now no one remembers him. His mum might, but soon she'll be gone. The photo albums will gather dust, disintegrate, and vanish. No word lasts long except this one, which lasts forever. Heaven is about the living God, his son, and in his spirit. Everything else gets forgotten. And the word of the Father is this. If you follow the Son and are safe in the arms of Jesus, you are safe forever. And now we come to the last W, and it's really short, and it's a quiz. We come now to the, the what? The witness of the Spirit. I'm going to say this, and you might never invite me back. Welsh people sometimes overdo the work of the Spirit instead of majoring on the beauty of Jesus Christ. Welsh people sometimes overdo the feelings, the experience, the sort of physiological effects of religion instead of focusing on Jesus. My friend Richard Bewes was in Africa under a revival. He was there as a little boy. And the people who experienced the revival said this. Don't so much talk about the phenomena of the revival. Go back, Richard, and tell people about Jesus. So now we're going to have a little quiz to see if the Spirit is really at work. The Holy Spirit does one thing. He is a witness not to himself and I'm not decrying the phenomena it's important it's an important part of our lives all right okay but his main job is to be a witness and testify about somebody else how do you know when the spirits at work all right three quick verses go to 1 John 3 24 Jeff you've done such a good job can you read it again 1 John 3 24 Mm. And now read uh, 1 John 4, verse 13. And now just finish with 1 John 5, verse 6, which is the last verse of the day. I'm going to say this reverently. The Spirit is quite literally obsessed with the Son. Here's some questions as we wrap all this up. It's the most important quiz you'll ever take part in because your souls hang on the answers. 
is the God, is God the Spirit at work in your heart in saving you right now and tomorrow when you wake up and in 50 years' time? You can ask yourselves these questions every single day. Are you ready? Question number one. Have you ever read the stories of Jesus Christ and you find something welling up inside you and you go, yes. Have you ever thought this? With all my sin, I read about him and I just can't help but say, yes. In fact, I say yes because of my sin. Do you ever feel like praying? And when you pray, you just feel, yes, this is right. I'm going to tell him everything. Do you ever see the Bible's call for you to be holy and become more like Jesus? And you say, yeah, I get it. I want that to be me. I do. I really do. Lord, help me be that. Yes, I get it. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. He just makes this religion live in our hearts. When I was in sixth form college, one of the worst experiences of my life happened. During the summer holidays, so I'm going into year two of A-levels, uh, in the holidays, my teacher got a divorce. Her husband left her and went off to Australia. Anyway, it went around the whole college like wildfire. All right, first day back. I wanted to let her know. Bearing in mind, I'm only 17, right? I wanted to let her know that I felt bad for her. All right? Okay, so, and, and we know we're thinking about you, miss. Um, so I knock the door of her office, and the door opens, and I say to her, I heard your husband left you. And then I froze and said nothing else. What happened in that moment where my words left my mind and my voice is that she then thought, now everybody knows he's left me. I offered her no comfort other than the words, I heard your husband left you. And I froze, and she began to cry. And it was awkward. And I s slowly closed the door and walked away. And do you know how much contact I had with her for the rest of the term? Zero. I avoided her like the plague. But growing up, there was another person who I offended an awful lot more than my teacher. I offended him every single day. But I never avoided him for long. Because every time I did something wrong, he called me into his room. And he said, Owen, sit next to me. And in I went. I couldn't keep away. And I sat next to him. And even though I had offended him, he was pleased to see me. And I said, Hi, Dad. I'm sorry about earlier. I did it again. And he said, Thanks for not staying away, 
son. And I said, Dad, how can I? You're my father, and I'm sorry I offended you. He said, I forgive you, son, and I love you. And I said, can I tell you about the rest of my day? And he said, of course, you're my son. And that is like the work of the Spirit. Town Hill, we cannot keep away from this wonderful Father who has a beautiful Son. We are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. Go and tell Town Hill that he is calling the lost, that he's calling us again tonight. And tomorrow the invitation is there Come to me, learn from me, enjoy me. Come, my sons and daughters. So that's it. A rambling, botched sermon which I had very little time to think about. But this is how the Spirit fixes people. He shows you your sin, and now you know what to do with it every day. You take it to the sun. And we say yes to King Jesus. And we follow him all the days of our lives. The work, the word, and the witness. For his name's sake. Amen. We're going to close. Right. Oh, no. Right.